gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. The superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the hall of justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, Bob. And what he does is the Hall of Justice Podcast. All right, here on the Hall of Justice, we are talking Stargirl. And for that, we welcome in the Dragon King himself, who's going to have to explain who exactly that is. It's our guy, Nelson Lee. Nelson, welcome to the Hall of Justice. We appreciate this. And I hope you're safe and I hope you're quarantined and you're isolated and all those things as we're getting through COVID-19. Thank you so much, Seth. Happy to be here. I am very safe. I am hunkered away. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those interesting things. Uh, this time has taught us how to be uh, safe at home. It's one of the weirdest times going. And, you know, even though it pales in comparison, like the questions that come up on this podcast are frivolous because it's literally we're talking about entertainment here. Yeah. Uh, but all episodes of Stargirl were filmed, correct? Like everything, Stargirl's season one is not impacted by COVID-19 in any way, right? It is not. Luckily, we, we were all in the can well before that. Uh, but, uh, you know, and right now we've got a great audience and it's doing well. But like you said, it's, it's one of those hard things. You don't want, really want to talk about it because there's uh, real issues going on. But at the same time, art has a place even in times like this. No, and, and, and we had a great debate a couple of episodes ago about the shows that didn't get to finish their seasons on the Absolutely. CW, mm -hmm. Supergirl and The Flash. And I said, do Flash animation, not yep. the Flash animation, yep. but do Flash animation, something you could do quick, get the voice guy, get all the actors to voice their roles, finish the, the things. And if you showed it as like a like a stock animation thing uh, to see the finales, I think fans would gush over that. Uh, because people are dying for content. I mean, Absolutely. even bad documentaries are getting viewership. Oh, I mean, who knew that we'd all know about the big, the world of big cats? I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a ridiculous thing, but uh, yeah. we all do. And it's we're yeah. just watching the Netflix trends of nine, 1 to 10 change every week is kind of an interesting study of humanity right now sure. and culture in the States, at least. And it, and it is a scary time. You know, if you're listening to this uh, at the time that it's released, uh, we're in the midst of of chaos right now in the United States. There is you're in Los Angeles. I'm in New Jersey, and you know we're in this scenario where all of uh, everything is going on. You know you have protests and riots and COVID and mm -hmm. all of these things. And as somebody who has a voice, who has somebody who has social media or just a role in the media, as somebody who's been on television shows and is in movies. Do you feel a responsibility to speak? Do you feel a responsibility to stay out of it? You're, you're obviously Taiwanese, so you are a minority sure. in this country. And I'm not speaking out of school there. That, that, no. That's just reality. And your role in it can have a, 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 a loud voice or a quiet voice. And that's a choice you have to make. Absolutely. And, and yeah, without a doubt, I identify as a person of color. I mean, 
it's one of those interesting things. It's not a competition to see who uh, is more deserving of uh, who's been more uh, injustice done against them. But I'm a person of color. I grew up in a very, very white town, very small town where I was very one of the few people of color. Um, but as someone in the industry, yes, I mean, obviously our voice is very important. Uh, it depends on how we use it. And I don't, I don't believe that being a figure in, um, in the public uh, light means that we have to shout loudly. It depends on what we're engaging in. Even if it's a, a conversation that changes someone's mind, it has to be though. It has to come from us. It has to start. Um, I don't support looting. I don't support an app, but I absolutely support protesting. I absolutely, I mean, this is a podcast called the hall of justice and we need some justice for these uh, acts. And yeah, it takes every little bit from a conversation to a protest, uh, to a sit-in, to anything. But yeah, violence is never an answer to anything. And I we don't answer violence with violence. Of course not. And I respect the idea that what I've loved is there has been some wonderful protests that have been filmed and yes. caught on social Beautiful. media. You know, yes. police officers marching with people. Yes. Um, um, yes. There have been so many things. And yeah, you're right. You know, the story becomes the looting. And yes. it becomes the fracturing because yes. you know, this country is so fractured right now. And, mm -hmm. you know, what you hope is that the message gets across, that we yes. talk about uh, George Floyd, that we yes. talk about, you know, what happened there. Because, you know, I've done some work in Minneapolis and, yeah. you know, I don't think of that city as having a racial issue, uh, you know. I, yeah, I you don't think about it. Yeah. Until, until you realize this uh, scenario happening and you yeah. see the paradox of Minneapolis. No, and, and people who have listened to this podcast know that there was a time before I created this show, I worked with Prince. And oh, yeah, right. That's awesome. So, you know, <laughs> when we think of Minneapolis, you know, I, yes. he, he's quoted many times, including once in a roundtable. I didn't ask him this question, but they said, why do you constantly live in Minneapolis? And he said, it's so cold, it keeps the bad people away. That was his <laughs> line. And I always think of Minneapolis that way, and I don't sure. think of it the way it's being portrayed right now. So yeah. uh, it, it, it's, it's a really, it's a sad, sad, sad state. Um, where did you grow up? I know you were born in Taiwan, but did yep. you grow up in Taiwan? Or when did you come over? Did, yeah. Or did you grow up in North America? Um, well, I mean, for the most part, I did grow up in North America. I was uh, born in Taiwan, and I left when I was five. Um, oh, okay. So I, you know... Um, ostensibly grew up in Canada and grew up in a place called St. John, New Brunswick, uh, represent sure. East Coast Maritime. St. John, St. John, Maple. New Brunswick. St. John, New Brunswick, not St. John's, Newfoundland. So there's a difference. Oh, so the St. John Flames. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I, yeah. work, I worked in the American Hockey League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the St. John Flames, funny enough, uh, we used to love going to watch that. When we got oh, our Harbor so Station, funny. we were like, we got a farm team. <laughs> 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 Everything so in funny. town became the Flames. Um, One of my first broadcasting jobs was in the American Hockey League with a team called the Syracuse Crunch. Yeah, nice. And, <laughs> and we would go to, and I knew the difference between the St. John Flames and the St. John's Maple Leafs. Oh, As you should. Look, yeah. I mean, and, and look, uh, in the Maritimes, we, we, we get kicked around a lot. And the only one down further that we make fun of is St. John's. So <laughs> that's right. The Cornwall, they had the Cornwall Aces. I'm trying yes, to think of all Cornwall, random. Ontario. Yeah. All the all the different all the different. I ones mean, look, ho hockey in Canada. You you grow up. It's you know you're in Canada when you go to a gas station. You can buy a hockey puck and a hockey stick. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> just in case you're driving, getting some gas, you need a hockey stick. So you're a big hockey fan, huh? I love hockey. Could have Montreal Canadiens. Unfortunately, is my team. So it's uh <laughs> we don't do a lot of celebrating, but uh... <laughs> yeah, but you have the pedigree. I mean, you yes, have, we do. You we have do all the championships. And, we do. Uh, okay, I'll I'll tell one. I'll make you laugh. Uh, so. 
Um, my first NHL gig, I worked with the Colorado Avalanche, nice. and uh, I did the pre and post game, and they had a series, a semifinal, conference semifinal series uh, against Edmonton, and it went seven games. And they decided that if the Avalanche won, I was going to interview the player of the, the MVP of the series on the ice. Oh, but wow. Nope. But nobody told me that. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I wore loafers. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't have to walk on. Oh, no. And I had to walk onto the ice, and I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> and Patrick Watt, and the reason I'm telling this story is because you hey, just Patrick said Watt, of course. Mon- Montreal Canadiens. The great, the great Patrick Watt. The great Patrick Watt. And he comes over, and he sees how nervous I am. And he comes in full barrel, and he does the thing where with, with the skates where like, yeah. you snow somebody. Yeah. And so now my pants are all wet. <laughs> and there's nothing I can do. I, I'm there. The place is sold out. It's a packed rink. And they throw down to me. And when they throw down, now I'm on the public address. <laughs> and I have to interview Patrick Watt. And what I don't realize I'm doing, I'm 24 at this time. I grab onto his arm for <laughs> dear life. <laughs> and we don't have a tape of this. And But there are people that saw it happen. Oh, so he does awesome. the interview. He does the interview and I go, all right, that's Patrick Waugh back upstairs. And they go back to the play-by-play and the music starts to play. And Patrick Waugh leans in and he goes, can you get off of my arm? <laughs> that's awesome. That's amazing. You, yeah, he spoke story. to you. That, that's what I mean. Look, that's amazing that you just did an interview with him. It was like, just get that's, out of my get That's the my best. <laughs> I think of dumb stories like that. that that's, that's, what makes me, that's what makes that's me. That's awesome. Um, how did you get into acting? Uh, I mean, it's a long kind of uh, convoluted uh, path that I took. I mean, we just I talked just... about the Cornwall Aces. I don't know how convoluted we can <laughs> You're get. right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Go Cornwall. Um, <laughs> like it, I started, you know, basically, uh, you know, acted all through school and stuff like that. But as a kid, I never, ever uh, thought that I could become an actor. It was too scared. and I just didn't have the guts. So, you know, I went to university, I did business, hated it. Ended up in like philosophy, which was, you know, of course, a wow. lot of uh, jobs in that industry. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> it's helpful at a bar and we we're having conversations. But yeah. then, uh, you know, went to live in Europe for a while. And it was over there that I started really thinking about, you know, taking stock of my life and thinking about, and I was still quite young uh, when I was doing that. And then I decided finally that, you know, all the times that I really enjoyed and felt fulfilled was being on stage, doing acting. So I applied to the school, American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York. And went there and, yeah, just started uh, cranking away at it. And it's been like over 20, I mean, almost 20 years, I guess, which is insane to think about uh, since I graduated. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a crazy road, but uh, I can't imagine doing anything else. We'll be back with more of the Hall of Justice. But first, I have to tell you about another podcast I do. And, yeah, we talk about it from time to time. But anybody who knows my career knows it's a sports broadcasting career. Yes, I love the Hall of Justice so much. I also started a podcast that is called Sports with Friends. It's a play on words because my mother always played words with friends. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to see if I have as many friends in the industry that could come on a show and be open and honest and have a friendly chat? So I started the podcast and said every guest is a friend. But then I found out that some of my friends are in PR and they book guests for the show. They've asked me to put people I'm just meeting. So now every guest is a friend or a friend of a friend. We play Jewish geography. 
Some of the past guests on this show can be really close friends like Dave Softy Mahler or Andrew Siciliano. And some of them are big icons that are also friends. Ken Griffey Jr. thinks he made my career. Martin Brodeur, the best goalie in the history of the NHL. And we also tackle big topics. We'll find out about cord cutting for a sports fan or the life and death of Kobe Bryant. And then there was Nancy Lieberman's appearance. What a story she had to tell. And then there's Eli Manning, who's been on the podcast five times and counting. All I know is if you listen to Sports with Friends, you'll hear some great guests. You'll hear so many stories, and you'll feel like you know not only them, but me. Check out Sports with Friends wherever you can get your podcasts. And if you're listening to this one, I guarantee you, you'll find Sports with Friends right there. Oh, that's that, that, that's great. And, you know, in my notes, you know, I'm sure I've missed a couple of things down the down the line. Um, was Law and Order first or Oz first? Law and Order was first. My first job ever. And I was lucky, like basically right out of school. And it's funny when I came out of school, I was like, oh, I'm only going to do like really arty, cool things. And then <laughs> yeah. I fell into like the Asian bad guys. Like, well, all right, fine. Sure you do. <laughs> well, and, and for the record, and I'm not stereotyping, but your characters are Lee Chen, Johnny Chen, Roy Lung. Like, oh, yeah. you, you played oh. Asian people. <laughs> Oh, dude, the, 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 in Law and Order, I was all one gang. Like, I was the ghost shadows <laughs> in multiple. So I was like the entire gang of the ghost shadows in Law and Order. But yeah, Law and Order SVU was my first job out of school. And, and then right after that was Oz. So it was, I was lucky. It was one of the lucky ones to come out and start uh, kind of swinging. That's wild. And then the, the opportunities came out. And then the first uh, regular series appearance uh, yeah. unless, is, is Blade. And yeah, you were in Blade the series, which is a spinoff of the movies, if, if mm-hmm. I'm correct. It was. It, it was. And it was well received. It, it never it, got yeah. numbers. It didn't get numbers. And I would say it's probably because of the time it was released. Superhero show. There weren't oh, yeah. 16 superhero shows at, at the time. But uh, the people who talk about it, and I've been to conventions, people talk about that series glowingly. Yeah, no, they, they, we, you know, we always lament and talk, you know, I had a great time on that job. Um, it's funny, now we've come full circle with Stargirl, we're reunited with Jeff Johns, who's the creative Stargirl, and he was a writer on, um, and Neil Jackson, who was Van Skyver, a bad guy on Blade. Um, so it's fun to come all around after like 16, 15 years uh, back to that uh, group. But yeah, no, I love Blade. We had so much fun. We're killing vampires. Um, and it was a good show. I was proud of it. We were well ahead of our time. It was before Marvel was really Marvel. Uh, you they know, were ban- it, they, they were had, bankrupt. Yeah, they were bankrupt. They they bet everything on Iron Man, and of course that bet paid off quite handsomely. But uh, uh, and I, yeah, I, and I no. told that story on the, this podcast because my wife worked for Marvel at that time. Oh, really? She, yeah, she worked there right around Spider Man Three. The Venom, yep. Ofer Grace. Yeah, we we the, the one we don't want to talk about. We pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> don't worry, <laughs> Iron, Man <laughs> Iron Man Three yeah. is work. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but the idea was, she. I remember she came to me, and we were living in Manhattan at the time, and she said they're going to finance their own movie. This is way pre Disney. Yeah. And she said they're oh, yeah. going to finance their own movie, and I said, "Wow, that's bold." I did not see that coming. And then yeah. she says, they're going to do Iron Man. This was like 10 days later. She goes, you know, right. you know, remember that movie? She goes, they're going to do Iron Man. And I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. 
I said, because that character in the comics is boring. And the really? only time he was ever interesting was when he was an alcoholic. Well, when he was and drunk, I, yeah. When he was drunk. <laughs> and that's a great comic book. If you've ever read an Iron Man comic book, oh, yeah. that's a... But if you've ever seen some of the cartoons, like either the 60s or even the one in the 90s, they are boring as yeah. all get out. And I yeah. said, how are you going to make that character? You can't even see his mouth move. And they made a home. They literally it's, hit a home yeah. run. Like, it's called, it's it's called Robert Downey movie. Jr. It's Robert Downey yeah, Jr. You, 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 you took a guy who's always been amazing at stuff and then you put him in the perfect role. And that gamble paid on, and they didn't want him. You know, I mean, what's they his name? Get insurance on him. Yeah, That's Terrence it. Howard made more money. Terrence Howard made a million dollars, I think, on that. And uh, and you know, even though uh, you know he's playing Robert Downey, he's playing the lead role. But uh, we all know how that turned out. <laughs> uh, it, it, it turned into a, a great movie. Uh, and then, yeah. of course, you're also going. I'm, we're not doing the, the. This is your life. This isn't a roast. Uh, but no, you're going to be in, Let's go. in Mulan. Um, and we'll get to Mulan, but I want to talk yeah. about Stargirl. Um, first of all, the story behind Stargirl makes you a fan, which yeah. is that Jeff Johns created this character based mm -hmm. on an old Justice Society character, Starman, but he based Courtney on his sister who passed away. His sister and Courtney, who died yeah, in a terrible car plane accident. In a plane accident, right. And yeah. Jeff Johns, and I've talked to Jeff. I, I, we have not had him on. That's one of my missions for the quarantine. Uh, the quarantine's not allowed to end until I get every guest that would never be able to come on. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Jeff, exactly. Johns, Jeff Johns is one of those guys. And Jeff Johns um, speaks so glowingly about his sister and said that in the book, the characteristics that Stargirl played was his sister like he he recreated his yeah. sister and just yeah. the idea that this character and she is she's bubbly and she's she's yeah. like the comic book I mean it's not word for word this yeah. is a, it's a it's an adaptation but she really comes off like that Stargirl and she's not the Flash and she's not Supergirl she's a no. different character yeah. Yeah, we are. I mean, what's back to, you know, you talk about Jeff Johns. I mean, first of all, I love that man. I mean, I've known him uh, since Blade. He's just one of the most talented, humble, uh, sensitive and creative people you're ever going to meet. And I remember him telling me that story about his sister back in uh, Blade in like 2005. And it's heartbreaking. Oh, but then wild. to see, but then to see what he was able to do with Stargirl, creating this character dedicated to his sister. And it just... When we all came on, oh, when I came on, at least I can only speak for myself. I it's such an honor, you know. You 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 feel so much more of a connection to the material because it's not just material; it's memory. It's uh, it's an honor to his sister, and um, it's just a beautiful thing. And he's just done so wonderfully with it. And the casting, I mean, Breck is perfect, like you said, just so perfect. I never had the privilege to meet Courtney, um, of uh, you know, Johns, but. Uh, he, I think she's really just doing her justice and, you know, and, and just having imbuing all of her traits and even her flaws, like Jeff has said, you know, he wants like a fully three-dimensional, not just like everything is perfect. Stargirl's still a young girl trying to figure out her place in the world and just happens to have the cosmic staff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it, it, it's a younger demo than, for example, Arrow. Like that—that's yeah. the the way I would I would say it. Yeah. But 
that's not a knock on it. Like, again, you have to understand the context. She's playing a high school girl and she's mm -hmm. dealing with high school girl stuff. Well, mm -hmm. what's Peter Parker? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's the analogy. Like, to well, me, absolutely. her figuring out Stargirl is Peter Parker figuring out Spider-Man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and just like Peter Parker, he's going to go up against some old, uh, you know, old bad guys. And that's where the ISA comes in. <laughs> right. We right. come well, in the... and, uh, yeah. But that, but and and that and that that's kind of the thing. Um, this is where I'll played uh, a little bit of ignorance, <laughs> uh, just in the sense that I don't know too much about Dragon King, uh, sure. but Dragon King is a regular from the comics. It's one of the villains, and I had the the fortunate ability to get a little preview of the four the fourth episode of Stargirl where you make your debut. And you, the, the costume from the comics, that's your Oof. costume. Like, oh, yeah. holy moly, they went authentic. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, and, and for you, I mean, I'll, I'll admit it as well. When Jeff came to me and talked to me about Dragon King, I didn't, I'd never uh, seen him in the comics. I, I remember briefly uh, for a second, I, I, I thought back to like, oh, my, you know, when I read um, all of uh, Stargirl, I was like, oh, of course. Uh, Jeff folded that in. But, you know, and of course, I read All-Star Squadron when he first came in. Um, and it's a very interesting character. He's so dark. There's so little known about him. And I think that's why it's so amazing to bring him to life. And when I first saw those costumes, LJ's super suit team just killed it. Like from the, it's rare that you see, you know, the, the art and then you see the actual costume and it's better, especially for super, you know, sometimes like, Oh, that's a little cheesy or that looks a little plastic. No, it's, as you know, you saw it. It's, it's epic. It's so crazy. I'm not going to say it's very comfortable or cool to wear. Like, cool temperature wise it's a hot thing but uh it's it's worth it it's so cool we'll be back to the hall of justice in just a second but during this quarantine time people are reading books and i'm reading books too check out this book by dr brian tussaud it's called songs of the thalassa songs of the universe book one now you can tell i didn't hear an audio book about it because i read the book Tussaud is a career marine ecologist and a director and a director of Humboldt State University's Marine Lab. He's a lifelong surfer and has dedicated his life to ocean advocacy. In this book, Songs of Thalassa, a young woman's journey to self-discovery and environmental consciousness in an action-packed surfing sci-fi novel. If you like Contact or The Martian, you'll dig Songs of Thalassa. It's Dr. Tissot's first science fiction book and the first of three books in the Songs of the Universe series. Song of Thalassa is available through all major booksellers and online via Amazon. For more information, go to their website at songsofthethalassa.com or check him out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Is Dragon King in the comic book Asian? Uh, he's Japanese. So Dr. Ido okay. in the, yes, he, he was a high ranking official in the J Japanese uh, army during World War II. He's basically a hundred years old. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's been around. So he's a, he's a dangerous guy that not a lot of people know about. He's a hundred years old. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I've never seen you without the mask. Do you play it old or like, is there heavy makeup after it? Cause I know what you look like. I've seen you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I look just the same, Seth. They don't have to do uh, anything. I just show up and I just look like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no. I was like, uh, wow, that's pretty <laughs> dead on casting. <laughs> Uh, no, you know, there's a lot that goes in, you know, the team, it takes a huge talented patient army to bring all of this to life. And yeah, no, there's a lot of time and makeup chairs and everything, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of things coming up. We'll see that'll get revealed. So I don't want to give away too okay. much, but yeah, he, right. he's, uh, he's a, definitely a character to uh, keep watching when he comes out and it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, everyone's reactions to, uh, it as he's developing throughout the season. And the reaction to Stargirl has been pretty good. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And I'll use the caveat. And, and again, take this for in the context. I said the same thing about the Michael Jordan documentary. It's mm-hmm. competing against virtually nothing. Yes. If you go to what's on television right now. Oh, there, yeah. You know, there, there's goofy game shows and random sing-alongs at home. And, you know, this is a first line. This is a front line show that was originally. And I would imagine when you were filming this was not going to be part of the CW. This was going to be just on that DC universe app. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, and that's that this is not a knock against CW. There's a reason why it looks completely different just because it was intended for a different platform. Uh, and I think it, it looks more like working. Titans, the show that's on DC. Universe. Sure. I love Titans. Yeah. And, and Titans is great, but I think there's something very filmic about it. There's something. And I think that's also because of Jeff and his overall view. Um, it's the great writing and the great directing. Um, but I think the overall feel just it, it there's something different about it, and I think it definitely plays well with within the Arrowverse, and I think it allows us to kind of um, have this slightly different tweak, but still something slightly different, but still the same. The DNA is the same, but I, I love that we are singular in the way that we look and the way, way that we feel, and so I think you, that's where Star Girls kind of stands out. But yes, I agree. During the time, it's a great time to come out, <laughs> not you, because of this. Well, of course. I mean, it's right. That's and that's all I've been saying. The Michael Jordan documentary was great. It's not yeah. the greatest documentary ever, just because it has the highest ratings. It's competing yeah. against nothing. There's nothing. So else, yeah. that's the, that's the the debate. Um, yeah. I'm not going to ask you about every character uh, and every cast member, but tell me a little bit about Luke Wilson. Such an oh. interesting role because yeah. that opening scene of the first episode, where the original Justice Society is mm-hmm. is fighting, and there's the Joe McHale. Joel McHale oh. looks like it's a spoof of community. Like, yeah, exactly. He even does that golf move with the cosmic stab, which I love. I just want Chevy Chase just coming through. Like, <laughs> Oh, you didn't notice he was the Flash? No. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, that would have been really cool if they had John Wesley Shipp uh, exactly. be the Jay Garrick, because technically exactly. that's Earl Earth, too. Exactly. Um, and they did do a, a little cameo with Stargirl at the end of the crisis. But yep. you had filmed that. I'm, I'm, I'm taking forever to get to this question no you finished stargirl when crisis aired correct yeah right around yes and when you watched it you were part of it that must have been a really neat experience to see it was because that crisis was such an accomplishment yeah it really was and you know and also i remember even just thinking about like i mean i remember even just jeff's work on infinite crisis and before uh in the comics um but it was crisis was amazing um but yeah to be a part of the arrowverse it's it's great, you know. It's a it was a very nice surprise. I'm glad that we're still also on DC. It gives the fans an opportunity to watch yeah. an extra ten minutes uh, that they don't get on CW. Um, and of course, they're not going to miss anything. But it's almost like getting little extras, and it's there are fun stuff that you know you always want to get as much you shot out to everybody. So, but uh, yeah, it's it's an honor. Uh, it's always great to be a part of that. It's it's hard not to geek out every now and then and just giggle. 
and I won't put this in the podcast. Hold on one second. I won't put this in the podcast if you don't want to, but I'm going to ask you a question about DC Universe, and it's not a bad No, thing. please. Go for it. And a lot of people are just wondering about the future of DC Universe because HBO Max is now here. Yeah. And, you know, I, I said just last episode, you know, they're competing against each other, and that doesn't make sense. And one of the neat things about Disney Plus when it came out was all the nostalgia, the Spider-Man and his amazing friends and all the random shows, the X-Men series. And here, the shows that are not on HBO Max are on DC Universe. And the stuff that's not on DC Universe is because it's on HBO Max. And it's, yeah, you're, you're the same people. And I said this last episode, just merge the two. Like, just just merge the give give it to a bigger audience because especially now in a quarantine yeah everyone who's a subscriber to hbo max should get dc universe just just combine the two things and if you're a subscriber to one you get the other done because i would just think that there's so much content on dc universe that would fit perfectly on hbo max yeah i mean i agree i mean of course that stuff's all well above my pay grade but uh yeah no i i fully agree it's one of those things after a while you forget all your logins because you have so many streaming platforms <laughs> just to watch everything but uh yeah you know I, I think that dc universe does have some really unique and wonderful stuff from harley to titans to you know it's it's and doom patrol of course um swamp thing looked great in the beginning um and you know it's... <laughs> you are so politically correct <laughs> i gotta cover all the bases seth <laughs> you are, are you sure this is your first appearance on this show <laughs> that's funny um yeah it, it, and, it, and it looks cool and the visuals are neat and it's 13 episodes and it's a, it, it's it's perfect for this summer uh, yeah. especially now that everybody's home and uh it, it it's pretty good without giving major plot points you said that he's 100 years old uh how essential is dragon king to the whole mix so far i'm not a fan of the icicle guy uh oh okay now, yeah, I mean, well, they look, have it, they already have cool. captain cold they already exactly. have killer frost i don't right. need another cold person here but... <laughs> exactly yeah but they, they can they can like make stuff cold and ice and throw ice at you and stuff it's, uh-huh. it's always fun <laughs> but uh no it's uh i think Dra- dragon king you're gonna see as it goes through uh there's a very large plan that's been in play uh, that gets revealed slowly uh, throughout the season. Um, and you're going to see in episode three with Icicle, uh, more of this plan getting revealed. Uh, and you're going to see just kind of how uh, wide our net is and what our uh, devious uh, acts are uh, in place for Blue Valley and perhaps all of the world. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. And uh, Dragon King has lasted and lived this long because of his his brain, his tenacity, and his experiments. So uh, there's, uh, he don't 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 worry. He's down there in his uh, lair. He's he's not just playing around. He's he's not watching uh, the world of big cats. <laughs> he's got he's got larger things on his mind. Okay, you referenced it twice. Did you see that? Because I skipped it. <laughs> I, I did. I, I did. I'm I'm a sheep. I watched oh, the whole thing, and then I was like, all right, done. <laughs> uh, we, we got we gotta we gotta negotiate because there's so much better stuff out there um, of course there is i'm oh just running God. out Seth. <laughs> my wife my wife's like i'm watching it and she goes i'm gonna watch the rest of it and i said can i stay downstairs i i'm not i was not <laughs> remotely pulled into it uh for for yeah. a second um there's been so much talk about mulan and you're in mulan um yeah. because it's one of the films that could come out in theaters could go right to disney plus yeah. could not 
we're not sure. And I understand both arguments and I, like, I'm not, I don't think there is a right or wrong answer. I thought what yeah. they did with that trolls movie worked on its own level, mm -hmm. but you know, I, I'm not counting their, their, their money either. You know, I, yeah. I'm not, I can't argue with either way. Uh, all I know is black widow. I want to see, and I want to see this Mulan. Who do you play in Mulan? Uh, in Mulan, I play the chancellor. So that's the, uh, the trusted advisor of the emperor. Uh, played by Jet Li, so I'm his uh, right hand man. I'm the guy that's uh, in his ear all the time. Um, so yeah, it's it's a fantastic character. It's a fantastic film. I'm so proud of it. Um, we had our world premiere on the ninth, right before the world shut right down. Right before basically. everything shut down. Right yeah. before uh, our premiere got pushed, obviously. Um, and yeah, look, it's uh, it's one of those things. Like, obviously, I want everyone to be safe. Uh, you know, you don't want to complain about your movie not being able to open while there's people dying and there's injustice in the streets, but it's just a bummer, you know, it's one of those things and it's, it's uh, no matter what. And when you think about the metrics of it, I don't know, like you said, I don't know which one is better. Uh, I don't think the metrics are in place to take into account the differences uh, from box office to streaming. You know, it's going to look like a failure no matter what. I think if we don't go to box office, um, yes. Right. We'll but then, numbers. but then, if people are afraid to go to the movies, it's not a knock on Mulan. It's, it, it's not. Yeah. Uh, and and I look and and we'll recover and people. I just want everyone to see it and they will one way or another. It's a beautiful movie um, and I think it's uh, yeah. I'm super proud of it. I think Nikki just knocked it out of the park. Um, but yeah, and it's you know it's one of those things you just want people to see it. I was hoping that we'd get a fall release, but of course I get I get that you know Black Widow's got to you know that's going to be uh, hopefully enough time to get the world back into place that we can go into a theater again. Yeah, but you but can't knows, say maybe. But you don't yeah. have the freedom to say that. I saw how that character's end went. I don't need to see the beginning. I'm not as into yeah, right. Black Widow. Yeah. It, I, yeah. A Black Widow movie about her origin would have been great four years ago. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. And, and Black Widow's not going to make me go to the, the, the theaters. You know, you know the one that, that is tempting is uh, Wonder Woman. Yes, of course. Wonder Woman, I'm so dying to see that because yes, one of my favorite awesome. episodes one of my favorite episodes of this show is how the hell is Chris Pine in Wonder Woman 2? Right. <laughs> because he died in Wonder Woman 1. And, yeah. and we want to know. And we came up with all our theories. And I have that podcast. It, it, it aired. And we have it for posterity. And when we see Wonder Woman 84, we have <laughs> oh, to revisit to yeah. see if any of the guesses worked. <laughs> so that's the yeah, one yeah. I'm, I'm dying to see. Um, the... I don't want to ask a weird question, but just the idea that everyone in Mulan is Asian yeah. and you just had crazy rich Asians. And it mm -hmm. seems like that has become so hate. It sounds callous to say the word trendy, yeah. but it, it's trendy now. And, and crazy rich Asians was a great movie. It's a goofball movie, but it's a great movie. Yeah. The idea that uh, Mulan, that the time is right for Mulan in our society as we started this conversation talking about acceptance and, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, here you have another film, which is really minority based. Uh, well, you know, and, or you could just say completely uh, all Asian, uh, you know, it's, it's all, yeah. uh, and it's, and it's, and look, this story is uh, based off of a 580 story from China, the Ballad of Mulan. I think uh, Disney and Nikki and everyone are super brave and not brave, but they, you know, they could have gotten. You're talking about uh, Nikki Caro, by the way. Nikki Caro, the director. Yes, the amazing, amazing, wonderful director of Blue, you know, Whale Rider and now Mulan. 
Um, but it's all mostly Chinese, like all from all over the world. Um, so many different places from China, from New Zealand, from, you know, obviously America, from Europe. Uh, they brought together this amazing group. And I think, yes, uh, you could say it's trendy, it's whatever. Crazy Rich Asians was uh, a great film. Um, it's, it, what it's, it's interesting thing when you start seeing people like uh, look at it money-wise. They're like, oh, there's a market for this. People actually want to see movies where people of color, especially namely people of uh, Asian descent, are the leads. And I think you're starting to see smaller, smaller uh, like kind of moves and wins it's just I never want to celebrate too early. Uh, you know, it's always like keep our eye on the ball because these are small little uh, incremental advancements. And we just have to all keep doing our part to be continually making content, being uh, visible and having roles. And that requires people, uh, you know, writing things, greenlighting things that have people of color, Asians uh, in roles and uh, lead roles. And I, I mean, back in the day, when I, like we talked about when I came out of school, there was nothing for me. I had to choose either, you know, geek, or gangster and i think that oh, has changed wow. a lot now you know and I, you're, you're starting to see roles where you know or if i was in something you had to be explained why i was there it's like this is my boyfriend jim that i met in japan you know like you know that like now you have to always explain but now it's less and less you're seeing leads you're seeing things without explanations because it doesn't have to because that's what it looks like in america that's what it looks like in the world uh and i'm i'm glad about that and i'm proud of mulan for it pushing it forward well it's refreshing to hear you say that man because you know it's it's what we need i mean absolutely i'd like to think you know we were going in the right direction but you know as i i clearly point out you know i don't have to worry when i'm walking down the street by myself yeah i don't i don't worry the same way that african-american kids worry yeah. And, you know, I, but I do remember on this podcast, we talked around uh, the film Black Panther mm -hmm. and Black Panther was unique because it was an African uh, yeah. movie, not an yeah. African-American movie. Yeah. So those Wakandans were never slaves and they were yeah. never um, they never had the hardships that the African-American uh, plight, you know, the, 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 the racial tension of the sure. past and of the present. You never right. had any of that. You have you had royalty. Yeah, pride. I, yeah. I love that movie, but I kind of have to believe other people took that movie completely different. And I would imagine to a different level, that's what Mulan will do. And that's what Crazy Rich Asians did. Yeah, and look, I, I, and, I par really and Parasite, and I'm not class classifying all uh, Asian movies, but that Parasite movie is one kind of wackadoodle. Uh, Jong Ho is an amazing director. I'm glad he's finally getting the, the you know, the credit and uh, accolades that he's deserved for a very long time. From we Mother, what, from we saw host. that and we were like, oh my God, what? Huh. What in the world? He's he's a master in the way he does tension and the way he does uh, story. It, it's, and also there's, there's, when you peer into other people's culture, you get something that you just don't understand and it's so different. Uh, when you look, watch other actors from different countries act, there's something different in it. And that's why it's amazing to watch movies that you have to read titles in because you see something not even remotely res resembling things that you see all the time in American cinema, American, American television. And I think that's something that we've definitely brought in in Mulan. And I think that's something that needs to be in everything and in, in more of our contents. Uh, because, and I think we're seeing... Now that we're taking away all the walls because everything we can stream anything we want, uh, we have access to foreign uh, films. We have we can get Criterion Collection. We can watch things 
in French, in Japanese, uh, you know, in Spanish. It's it's an amazing time, and you get to see such crazy uh, uh, diversity. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a great time to be able to to take on all this content. Uh, that that that's very cool. All right, uh, as we, we wrap things up here, uh, tell me one little nugget about Stargirl that I could literally say to everybody when it comes on the show and say, if you had listened to the hall of justice, you knew that was coming. Uh, that there's a fairly large, uh, hidden, uh, hidden character in this. There's a very, there's a hidden character oh. in star girl that you're going to see. Uh, and, and it'll, now, it'll come out at the very end. That is solid. Did they tell you that? Because that's a great hook. Oh yeah. No, you, you know, you never know who it is, but uh, you will see. All right, I'm hooked. I'm in. <laughs> hey, uh, how can people find you online? Are you do you do the social media thing? I do the social media horribly, Seth, but I am at Malenki, M-A-L-E-N-K-Y. Uh, yeah, don't laugh at my numbers. They are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I can promise you this. You have at least one new follower and hopefully a lot more uh, coming here because uh, this was a great, great chance to talk to you, man. And uh, we, had, we, had, we had a lot of fun. Um, Good luck with Stargirl. Uh, do me a favor. Come back when Mulan finally gets released. Absolutely, Seth. You got it. Oh, that sounds like a plan. And by the way, folks, uh, we usually do the other podcast this way. But uh, if uh, you heard anything on this show that you didn't like, Nelson Lee is on social media. So go find him and leave me the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah. Pick on, don't, pick on, don't pick on Seth. Pick on me. <laughs> uh, and please, folks, be safe. Uh, and, and please figure out how we're getting out of this uh, this covid stuff because we want the world back uh, to normal and uh, i just want it to be not as fractured as it is uh but uh, our thanks to nelson lee and to everybody who helped put them uh, put that together and uh yeah we'll see you next week right here on the hall of justice